Well, uh, several years ago, I did a message called uh, Happy New You. And I think I was, we were meeting in the Greek track, so that's we're talking 25 years ago or so. And I don't even know if that even made it on tape, but uh, I didn't consult my notes. I don't think my computer goes back with all my messages, but like 15, 17 years. So I'm like, hey, what happened to all those other messages that I had saved, Tony, from 20 years ago, 25 years ago? <laughs> I got to ask Tony. I, give him a, I, sometimes he'll back up my computer. I've got my computer backs up itself now, but he's got a bunch of my backloaded stuff from years in the past, everything I've written and stuff. So uh, I may never come out with a book, but Tony might come out with 10 pretty quick, you know? <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is called The Happy New You. And it's fresh. I didn't even look for the other message that I did 25 years ago because so I didn't think I'd find it. And I don't do that typically anyway. But... Uh, and it's part, there's two parts. And I've been working pretty hard on this message for some time, but uh, it just grew. And there was one part that was more the forest with some trees. There's another part that was more the trees, you know, a lot of, you know, application and the nitty gritty. Uh, but they both overlap a little bit. But I want to look more at the forest, which will have some application for sure as well. Uh, but this is Happy New You part one. And then, you know, in a couple weeks or so, we'll do... Uh, part two, but uh, we look at the new year, and a lot of times people are like, well, I hope this, you know, can happen this year, and hope we have a better year next year than this year, and so forth, and then a lot of people focus on their, focus on the physical aspect of their lives, but most people are not focusing on the spiritual aspect of their lives, and Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right, and all these things, meaning the needs, you know, you need, will be added to you. And so they get it backwards. It's like Maslow in psychology, his hierarchy of needs, you know? The very last on the his pyramid is spirituality. It's got it backwards. That's, of course, how humanistic psychology thinks. And, and when you integrate humanistic psychology with so-called Christian psychology, it gets a mishmash of messed up thinking where you've got to love yourself more and, and integrates things that aren't even scriptural and so forth. So uh, what we need to do is make sure we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. And then you'll be blessed. And I want to have a blessed new year, don't you? And I know how you can have a blessed new year no matter what happens. Because if you're in Christ, amen, and he is in you. And if you're in Christ, he is in you. That, there's that term in Christ Jesus used about 150 times in the New Testament. It's a great place to be. We're saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. We are in him. We are robed in his righteousness. Not perfectly becoming more like him. Amen. And even if you fall short of God's glory, which everyone will do to a degree, but we seek to avoid that and seek to perfect holiness in the fear of God, you are still robed in Christ and in his righteousness as you abide in him through faith. Amen. And you seek to grow in him. However, uh, a lot of Christians don't understand. I mean, we're celebrating the day after Christmas, the coming new year now. Oh, by the way, Merry Christmas. I know it's a, a day late, but I said it last week if you were here, you know. <laughs> but uh, when Christ came, he came to die. Paul says it's a trustworthy statement, a worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am chief, and he came and saved me, he said, so others would know who would put their faith in him that they too could be, would be accepted by him. So it's glorious. We talk about salvation, and unfortunately, when people are getting together in thousands and thousands and thousands of churches today, they'll talk about how we've been saved from sin, but they won't talk about the 
the end sometimes. They won't talk about there's so much more. And praise God, being saved from our sins by what Jesus did on the cross is incredibly glorious. The gospel, amen, his death, burial, and resurrection. So we need to emphasize it. We need to talk about it. And we certainly do, amen. But you know what? It doesn't stop at being justified and made right and declared righteous, amen. We've talked about when you're declared righteous, you're justified, you're also regenerated, amen. You're born again, amen. Then you're also being, also at that same time being sanctified, right? Becoming more and more like Christ, becoming more, less and less unholy, more and more holy, more and more like Jesus. And eventually we will be glorified, amen. We'll be resurrected. But there's a lot going on. It's really exciting when you really understand what the Christian faith teaches. We should be excited about our salvation. If you didn't, I mean, just justification, you can be excited about that all the time. You ought to be happy as the persons whose sins are not credited to them. Amen? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So right there, you should already be excited. But then you should be excited like, wow, you know what? So-and-so wants to be like this movie star or this rock star or this athlete. Ridiculous, man. Why shoot so low? And it's really low at times, right? We got Jesus, the creator of the universe, right? We're becoming like him. We're becoming truly like him. These people that want to be like Mike, they can never jump like Mike did and play like Mike did. You know that, right? But guess what? Mm, you'd rather be like Mike and jump for a little bit and he's jumping less and less every day. And it gets worse and worse. Or you'd rather become like the creator of the universe, like Jesus, Right? And where you actually get better and stronger and more like Jesus every day. I mean, if somebody was slowly becoming just like Michael Jordan, I don't even know, that's not in my, it's in my notes, but Michael Jordan, but be like Mike, you know, it's an old saint, you know. They'd just be like him if they ever, they're never going to get there, you know. Maybe LeBron got there, and there's an argument if he ever got as good as Michael Jordan. But LeBron's not staying there. He can't play defense like he used to, you know? And he'll probably be out of the league and I better be conserved on this, like three or four or five years, okay? He's playing less and less each year, you know? And Lord, save his soul because that's what ultimately matters. But guess what? It's all downhill at a certain point physically. And if you're trying to be like, you know, Billy Eilish and... Then you're hellbound, man, because they're wicked rebels against God. We've got to make sure we're right with God. But that we can become like Jesus, that just blows me away. The sanctification process is part of that, right? The glorification process. And you have a glorious new year because even your hardest times this coming year, God will use to make you more like the one who made you, in whose image you have been made. Amen. It's just, it's just mind-blowing when you think about it. Now, uh, go to Revelation chapter 21. We are in Revelation chapter 21, and we are on verse 7 right now. And in verse 7 we read, He who overcomes will inherit these things. Hmm. Will inherit what things? Well, read chapter 22, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I'm going to... How many of you are going to be really happy to be in the new heaven and the new earth? Perfect, pristine. What's it going to be like? Well, John tells us. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. That's because we're the bride of Christ and we're going to be in it. And as all these stones that shine, the Bible says we'll be resurrected and that we are his jewels. 
Verse three, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. God's going to be with us. We already have Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus with us in spirit. We are actually going to see his face. Wow. And he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. We're having a nice Christmas day yesterday and in the late afternoon, or I should say maybe, yeah, the evening, uh, my son-in-law Adam and Heather had to leave because Adam got a call. He's a school teacher at a secular school where he tries to shine the light and he got a call that one of his students was in a fatal car accident driving with his parents. The family lived, but one part of the family died and he left in tears, you know? And there's a lot of sad things associated with living in this world. But the Lord God's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Amen. Happy day. Verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. He's making all things new, including us, guys. Happy New You. Amen. Verse 6. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to those who thirst from the spring of the water of life without cost. Salvation is a free gift. And we've studied all those verses. But verse 7, so we understand the context, he who overcomes will inherit all these things. And I believe it refers to those things, but also refers to all the things that are promised to the overcomers in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 to the seven churches. There's each church is he that overcomes will receive a white stone. That's a declaration of innocence. Remember that term being blackballed? Well, they would get a white stone. That's an ancient, ancient thing that goes way back, you know. They'll get the hidden manna. Matt is a picture of Jesus, amen? They get all these wonderful, precious promises. And it's not just those churches. At the end of each church, you hear something like a refrain. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. These are promises to all of us. And it says, he who overcomes will inherit all these things. This is winding down the end of the book. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. Male or female, you'll be a child of God. And this is in contrast to verse 8. But for the what? cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's heavy, guys. They won't be there because if all those folks are there and they're translated, translated from earth to heaven, heaven won't be heaven anymore. It'll be wicked, right? You have to lock your doors in heaven. Because there's murderers and there's sorcerers and, there's, and people are lying to you. Well, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, that we're looking for his promise. A new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Right? We're looking for the new heaven and the new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Okay? That, that's going to be righteousness. And that's why you have to, you, you know, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Amen? Nothing unholy, we're told, in chapter 22 will enter into New Jerusalem. Because if unholy people are there, people that aren't made into the image and, and reformed in the image of Christ, again, the wicked, chapter 21, verse 8, heaven wouldn't, could never be heaven. So only the holy will get there. And that's what it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. That's why it says nothing unholy will enter into the city. Revelation chapter 22, verses 14 and 15. Now, 
So we want to make sure we're becoming, we become, we're becoming new, amen? Now, it's interesting because there are all these wonderful promises to the overcomer. But, and there's this new creation we're entering into. But to be part of the new creation, you have to be a new creation yourself. And there's so many cool verses about how we are new creations. In fact, I love Ephesians 2.10. We love, we quote Ephesians 2.8.9 more than 2.10, but 2.10 is really good too. Because we quote Ephesians 2.8.9. By grace are we saved through faith, right? Right? It's a gift of God, not a works as anyone should brag or boast. So we're not saved by what we've attained through working hard enough, right? That God says, okay, wow, you've really earned, come on, you're in, man. No, man, our, all of our works are like filthy rags, amen, before the Lord as far as being meritorious. But we're saved by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, what Jesus did on the cross, a free gift for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave us this gift. And it's amazing because we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. But verse 10, the very next verse, I love the next verse, for we are his workmanship, his poema, we get poem from where his workmanship created check that out you've been recreated created in christ jesus for good works we aren't just created to sit on some cloud and sing on a, and play a harp for the rest of eternity that's a lie from the devil man he wants you to think the heavens can be boring he wants you to think that becoming a christian is man when you become a true born again bona fide believer in jesus your life will become my life is far more exciting and I had a pretty crazy, exciting life before I got saved, okay? <laughs> Could talk to people that knew me, you know? But it was wicked and evil and destructive. And the life that I have now is so amazing because in the life that you have, if you're in Christ and, you're, and, and you've become a new creation, you're doing things for his glory, there's exhilaration, there's joy because the Holy Spirit is directing you, guiding you, using you. For we are his workmanship created. Happy New Year. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Man, God prepared them before you're even alive that you would do certain good works. You gave you your own fingerprint. He wants you to do certain things for his glory. Now, I love it. I love uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. And I have a lot to say about these verses, but I'm not going to say a lot about these verses and their context because that's, some of that's going to be in next week or next time we get together. Uh, but I love it because 6.15 of Galatians says, for neither circumcision, for neither circumcision anything or uncircumcision. Because the Jews, Judaizers were saying, man, if you want to be a good Christian, man, you got to keep the law and you got to be circumcised. Paul's saying it's irrelevant, man, to salvation. Okay, for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but Paul says a new creation. That's what counts. That's what counts. Are you a new creation today? Have you become a new creation? You want to make sure you are truly born again, that you're truly a new creation. So that's Ephesians 2.10 talks about being a new creation. Galatians chapter 6 verse 15, it talks about being a new creation. Oh, what about 2 Corinthians 5.17? 2 Corinthians 5.17, if, any, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation or king james a new creature for old things have passed away old things have passed away who we used to be and all things have become new okay if you're truly a new creation you're going to be different than you were the scriptures know nothing of a person who's exactly the same after they've been saved and never transformed at all 
there'll always be some growth. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17 and look at the broader context. Okay? Therefore, if anyone be in Christ is a new creature or a new creation, the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, this is an amazing passage or verse. But Paul, some people think Paul just brings it up right there out of the blue. You know? No, he's already been talking about this. Back up to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Listen to this. And even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Right? So the Bible says it's veiled to those who are perishing. The scriptures say, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the first two chapters, uh, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now it's like, well, this person thinks it's foolish, they're perishing. Now it's true, while they think it's foolish. How many of us thought it was, Paul thought it was foolish before he was saved, amen? I thought the gospel was foolish, didn't understand it before I was saved. So we keep witnessing and shining the light. But it's veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. They are where? They're blinded, they're in spiritual darkness. So that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Verse five. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, check this out, verse six. For God who said, light show what? Shine out of darkness is the one who has shown what? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, when did God command the light to shine in the darkness. When? In the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. The first few verses. And Paul here is using this incredible picture of the early creation. And he's saying, hey, that's a picture of what God's done in you through Christ. That's powerful. And then when you go to 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new What? Creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new. So when you go to Genesis chapter 1 and you look at what's going on there, before he says, let there be light, that creation, when he first makes it, is a picture of what we look like before the Lord said, let there be light in our hearts and Jesus shine in our hearts. Amen? We won't spend a long time on this, because I teach this from time to time. If you're at a baptism, sometimes I use this. But look at Genesis chapter 1. And you can keep your finger in 2 Corinthians 4 if you want. Or if you have no time, you don't have a hard time getting back to it. Go to just, you know, uh, go to Genesis 1. Let's look at just the first few verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom, we created the heavens and the earth, right? And what did it look like? The earth was what? Formless. Huh. How were we before we were saved? We were formless, amen? We were like the three blind mice, man. Blinded, like Paul just said. The enemy blinds the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the image of God, should shine unto them, amen? We had no direction. The Bible talks about when we were lost. It says that we walked according to the prince and the power of the air, according to the course of this world. And that word course of this world, okay, 
the course of this eon, this age, this, this dark age, the word is used for a weather vane that you'll see on top of a barn. And it'll just go whatever way the wind blows. Isn't that how the world is? Come on, young people. There's kind of just the, the fads that become popular all of a sudden, you know? Netflix had a thing called 13 Reasons Why about suicide. A series that many people felt was glorifying suicide, make it look attractive in some ways. And the suicide rate went up during the first season. And there was some stiff and heavy rebukes. And Satan is, just loves to glorify evil. And sometimes it's very subtle and sometimes it's very blatant. But we, before we were saved, we were formless. We went along with the fads and what was trendy and what was popular and what was hip. Do not let Facebook influence you, okay? And of course, unless you're going like, good fight, blessed hope, Facebook. You know, that's good, you know. But most of the popular Facebooks out there in the world system, they, they want you to conform to a certain image to where you feel accepted, and there's millions of young people. It's sickening, too. I mean, even the, the developers of some of the social media admit that they try to make it addicting and try to control people's lives. And you need to look like this, and you need to talk like that, and so forth. And it's, most of it's, you know, that broad road that leads to destruction. Amen? I want to encourage you, if you're on Facebook, and you have your own Facebook, is it all about you, or do people know that you love the Lord? Would they get, be able to get saved or come to Christ or be witnessed to if they went to your Facebook? What does the Lord see when he looks at that? It should be an expression of who you are, right? Man, I just like him, his message. Why does he have to get so, hey, man, Robert needs to meet the road, man. We need to be real and, and say, who am I? And we're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus says if we're ashamed of him now, he'll be ashamed of us at his coming. I'm not saying that means that you're like, well, I just signed up for Facebook, man. I don't even have Jesus on there yet. No, but if you've had this Facebook for a long time, it's all about you and yourself, me, myself, and I, and so forth. I love you, man. I'm just trying to let you know the Lord wants to be glorified through you. You're created for good works in Christ Jesus, right? A lot of people, man, they'll say the craziest things on Facebook and the weirdest things on Facebook and do the strangest things to get attention and how much more should we be about the truth and shining the light of Jesus, amen? Now, it's interesting, we were formless. And what? What's the next word? And void. And void. Void means, what's, what's a void? It's something that's what? Empty, right? We were empty. Remember the woman at the well? You remember, Jesus, we had a little teaching on that just a couple weeks ago. The woman at the well was part of a message I did two or three weeks ago. And she kept coming to the well over and over again. And Jesus had an appointment with her. He showed up at noon when people don't go to the well, but they were traveling through. And she showed up because she was a woman of ill repute and had several uh, husbands and now was living with a guy. And Jesus told her exactly what her life was going on in her life. And she's tripping out. And he basically let her know that she is never going to be satisfied with that water, that she needs the water of life. Amen. We were empty too until we come to Jesus. And when we read in Revelation chapter 21, he offers the water of life without cost, amen? And he says it'll flow from our innermost beings in John chapter seven, right? And flow in us and through us and out to others, amen? Because we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. He wants not only to fill us, but he wants us to be streams of living water to non-believers and to believers to encourage them in the faith, amen? So we're no longer formless, 
We're no longer empty. Now we have Jesus living within us and he fills us and now we also have form and purpose and we are channels of his grace, his love, his river to others. Are you with me? And by the way, when he makes this new creation, there's going to be huge rivers going through Eden. More than one. He's the ultimate river, but everything comes from him. He wants to use us to water others. It's so heavy. In fact, I've should go. We were going through it before we stopped our uh, four half hour deal through the week, which was, it's for the good, I believe. But we we're going through, you know, podcasts on how each day of creation is a picture of what God's doing in us, which you don't have time to do here. It's pretty heavy, though, when you look at it. So we we're formless, we we're void. Peter says that we haven't been redeemed by corruptible things from our futile way of life, our empty way of life, man. We were empty. He says, the earth was formless and void, and what? What was over the surface of the deep? Darkness. That was us before we were saved. Darkness just hovered over us. It was in us. In fact, Paul says, we are light, but we were darkness. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. We were darkness. We weren't brothers and sisters. We weren't just in the darkness. We were the darkness. The problem is in the world system is not that people are just groping in the dark. People are dark. They are evil. Jesus said, if your eye is filled with darkness, how great is that darkness? I mean, it's, it's, it's evil is very, very real. So it's interesting. It says, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Wow. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Guess what? When we were formless, listen up, had no direction in our lives, were empty, a void, and there was full of darkness. All, all there was was darkness. That's all there was. Dark, dark, deep darkness. No light at all. At that time, by God's grace, his Holy Spirit was hovering over our lives. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin, the dark world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Amen? God in his grace could have left us in that state. But the Holy Spirit was upon you, showing you your formlessness, your purposelessness, your sin, your emptiness, your darkness, your need for the light of Christ. He was convicting us of sin. Then what happened? What happened in the creation? Verse 3. Then God said what? Let there be light. And there was what? Light. <laughs> All this light. Wow, think about that. Isn't that what happened to you? The lights went on. Wow, I'm a sinner, man. My life is messed up. I'm going the wrong way. I'm empty. I'm filled with darkness. And this light appears, the light of Christ. You see your sin, but you see there's an answer to your sin, that you don't have to stay in the darkness, that you can come to Christ and have the light of life. Amen? Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He says those in the darkness, that they follow him, they will have the light of life. Amen? Jesus said, choose the light or walk in the light while the light is with you because there'll be a time when the light isn't here anymore and become children of light, he said. We don't have to remain children of darkness. We become children of light. This is just so amazing to me because now I'm not just coming up with this interesting typology saying, isn't this interesting? And just, you know, maybe this means, no, guys. This is what the apostle Paul was saying. 
He says, we were in darkness, amen? Satan blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, right, whose image of God should shine unto them, amen? Because we're in darkness, we're blinded. He blinded the minds, we were in darkness, amen? And Satan was blinding our eyes from what? The glorious, I think it's heavy, because I used to think, why does the Lord stick that there? He's blinded the minds of them, that's the enemy. He's blinded the minds of the God of this world system. He's blinded the minds of them that believe not, less glorious, right, gospel of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, shall shine unto them. And when I was first memorizing those, that verse years and years and years ago, I would skip over who is the image of God on accident. And I'd look at my little, I'd be driving to work or whatever. I'd look at my, I'd say, man, I missed the image of God. It almost seemed superfluous. It was like, huh, why is that there? Hmm. Our gospel is hid, it's hid because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Lest the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father, that's why. Because we were in darkness. We didn't know what we were supposed to look like. You understand? And he's letting us know God, who God is. Amen. He's let us know that he loves us. He knows what, and let us know that we're creating his image and what we're supposed to look like. Not be formless, but to be Christ-like. Amen. Are you with me? Not to be empty, but to have him fill in our hearts. Not to be full of darkness, but be filled with his light. And I realized, wow, that is such a heavy part of that verse. And it occurred to me when I was meditating upon it, just saying, hmm, why does he emphasize that? Oh, pff, the context. You know, so we get to know who we're supposed to be. We're his, we're never God, but we're his creatures creating his image. Amen. Now, when Paul says back to second Corinthians four, uh, verse five, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus. Well, right before that, verse four. In whose case the God of this world has blinded minds of them that believe not, so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, what? Verse 6, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts, he's shown in our hearts, in those empty, dark hearts, he's shown, that means he's given his light, he's shown in our hearts too, Give the light of the what? The knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. See, there, there's the image right there. He wants to show us who he is. He wants to show us what we're, who we're to be like. And what's really heavy, and on our podcast, there was a lot, so much good stuff on the podcast that obviously I can't share everything on Sunday, right? So it was kind of, you know. Uh, but I went through the Gospel of John a little bit, and John 1, John does the same thing. He's picking up on the creation narrative. God, by the Holy Spirit, is using the creation narrative. In fact, what's the first few verses of John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was beginning with God. And then what does God on to say? All things came into being by or through Him, right? By or through Him, right? And apart from Him, nothing what? Came into being. That has come into being. He's the creator of all things. Starts with creation. Doesn't, doesn't like Mark or doesn't like Luke and Matthew give you the genealogy of Jesus from Abraham or David and so forth, you know? It shows you that he's a creator. Now go to the Gospel of John chapter 1. I want to show you something really interesting. John chapter 1. 
And when you get there, that's the first few verses that I read. I read the first three verses. Then you read in John chapter 1, John chapter 1, the first three verses I went through. But look at how that's a picture of creation when he created the heavens and the earth, right? Let there be light. Well, look at verses 4 and 5. In him was what? Life. And the life, life was what? The light of men. The light shines in what? The darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Wow. Or overcome it. Wow. Same thing going on there. And the Gospel of John continues to develop that. I, we got in, in little, quite a bit deeper when we got into John chapter 1 and then went a little bit further and showing how this works. And then you go through the Gospel of John and you see him bring, you know, Nicodemus, man, comes to him at what? Night. I didn't even get into that. But he comes to him at night. There's the night again. In secret. We know you're from God. But Nicodemus is dead in his sins. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again to enter the kingdom of God, John 3.3. 3. And if you're necessarily born of water and spirit, you don't even see the kingdom of God, which I believe is a synonym for enter. You won't experience it. You won't enter into the kingdom of God. John 1.12, back to John 1.12. John 1.9, Jesus is the light that enlightens the heart of everyone that comes to the world. See all those dark hearts that are walking around? Formless, void, empty, dark, right? Holy Spirit convicts him of sin. John 1, 9, Jesus enlightens the heart of everyone that comes into the world, verse 9. Verse 12, as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. You receive him into your life, you become born again. Amen? Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. How can we one be, come out of your mom's womb again? I mean, come on, Jesus. Jesus says how to be born again. For as Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, even so should the Son of Man be lifted up. When they were dying and their lives were ebbing away, right? They had to look to the serpent that was on the pole, which was a picture of the wrath of God that would fall upon Christ because those snakes were the wrath of God. And notice the look came before the life. Contrary to Calvinism, which teaches the life comes before the look. Before you can have faith, you have to be born again. No, the Bible talks about you must what? <laughs> believe to be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, Jesus went on to say, will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. You must put your trust, not look to the snake on the pole like the Israelites who were dying. You must look to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you on Calvary's cross and him dying for your sin, right? And you will be, you'll be transported from, or you'll be transformed. First, you'll be declared righteous, forgiven, but then you'll be transformed. So in Genesis chapter 1, formless, void, darkness. Formless and void. Come on, you guys know the Hebrew there, right? Chad was saying after you went, taught that initially or years ago, a few years back, all the young people knew some Hebrew and they're all saying it because they loved how it sounded. What is it? Come on, you guys. Oh, come on, say it louder. Tohu wabohu. Jimmy, you're not one of the young guys. Well, you can still pass. <laughs> he's a new creation. He's young in Jesus. Amen. Jimmy and I are brothers. Uh, we always get mistaken for brothers, but we always say, yeah, we're brothers. And then we get to share about Jesus, you know. Tohu wabohu, formless and void. That's who we were. We were tohu wabohu, but now we're new creations in Jesus Christ. For you were formerly darkness, Ephesians 5 verse 8, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Wow. 
What an awesome reality it is that we are new creations. Now check it out. Ezekiel, because he's telling Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things about being born again? Well, listen to what Nicodemus should have known because they were trusting in their own righteousness, trying to keep the law of Moses, but falling just flat every day. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Listen to what the Old Testament taught Nicodemus and still teaches us to this day. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Amen? Before we were saved, man, we had hard hearts. We were self-centered. We had hearts of stone like Pharaoh, man. But the Lord gave us a new heart, amen? And he put his spirit within us. Just as the Lord took that black, dark, ugly creation he began with and said, let there be light. Amen. And he separated the land from the water and separated light from darkness, even as he separated us from the darkness of the world. Amen. And on the third day, life springs up. Not a coincidence, guys. It's all a picture of Jesus and the salvation we have in him. And we become new creations. Life begins to spring up. Amen. And the water begins to flow, the, the, the love of the Holy Spirit and so forth. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Let's go back there, 2 Corinthians 4. But back up to the very beginning of chapter 4 and then back up one verse to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have your finger in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. Let's look at this. But we all, but we all, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So now the glory of the Lord shines in our hearts, right? We, be, we become new creations, right? We, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The Bible talks about in James, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Amen? You open up his word. He says, because if you're just a hearer, you're like a person who looks in a mirror and then leaves without fixing what needs to be done. Well, the word is compared to a mirror. We see the Lord in the mirror of his word, amen? By the way, lest we miss this, it's not just the light appearing, which is huge. God said what? Let there be light. Let there be light. The word of God came forth, amen? The word of God what's changed, what's changes us, amen? P Peter said in 1 Peter that you've been born again by the word of God, amen? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 right? If we believe in our heart, right? That God raised him from the dead, right? We confess Jesus our Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. And it talks about if we confess him, right? With, I'm sorry, we confess him with our mouths uh, that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved, amen? But it talks about the word of God there and how that's the agent of being born again. So God says, let there be light. There's the word of God. There's light. Boom. The spirit of God's hovering over the waters. That's a huge transformation. That's what took place in your life. God said about you, let there be light. Let the light shine. And the Holy Spirit spoke to you and you responded and you became a new creation. It's so heavy. It's the most exciting thing that could happen to you. Become a new creation in Christ and be heaven bound. And it's just begun. It's just begun. Because 2 Corinthians 3.18, look at this. I love this, so cool. Because a lot of people look back at their initial experience of salvation. 
and they miss all the excitement that comes after that because that first day is really exciting, but guess what? Thankfully, it just doesn't end there. It gets better and better. Did you know the scriptures say in Ephesians, Paul says that in the future, God will continue to pour out his grace upon you from age to age throughout eternity? That just blows my mind. That's a blow mind, man. Throughout all, throughout all of eternity, God's gonna keep bringing new grace to you that's just gonna blow you away. We got a lot to look forward to. But we should be looking forward to every new day in Christ because look again at 318. Now let's really look at it. But we all, because I didn't read the whole thing yet, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being what? We're being transformed. If you are a Christian and you're looking to Jesus and his word, you're being transformed. The Greek word there is metamorpho. Metamorpho. What English word do you think we might get for metamorpho? Rhinoceros? Oh no, metamorphosis, that's right. Metamorphosis. I got a little song I made up for my grandkids and rhinoceros, rhinoceros, better eat your breakfast. I don't know where I came with that. Rhinoceros, rhinoceros, better not spill your milk. I get to the Jesus part, you know. I mix it in with rhinoceros and they love that song. Until I overdo it after they get a little bit older. Okay, Papa. Anyway, uh, but look at this, man. We are being transformed. Being transformed, present tense. Metamorpho, metamorphosize. We are being transformed into, look at this, look at that. Into what? Into the same image. Same image, image of who? The Lord, the Lord. We're beholding in the mirror the glory of the Lord, his glory, his light, his beauty, who he is. And we're being metamorphosized, transformed, metamorpho, into the same image from what? From glory to what? Glory. It gets better and better. Just as from what? The Lord, the what? The Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ is at work. The Father's at work. The Holy Spirit's at work. One God. And he's working in our lives. Metamorphosizing us. Transforming us from glory to glory. Well, how often is this happening? Now go to 2 Corinthians 4 again. Jump all the way down to verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? Oh, we're getting older. We have more aches and pains than we probably had 10, 20 years ago. Why don't we lose heart? Verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, it's happening, yet our inner man is what? Being renewed. How often? Day by day. Day by day, your outer man is yeah, decaying. Every day you're getting older, but you're getting newer day by day. You became a new creation when the tohu wabohu, when you were foremost and void, the darkness over you, and he said, let there be light, and he transformed you. You were born again. You became a new creation that day. But every day you're becoming more like Jesus, hopefully. You ought to be. Every day you're going from glory to glory. It's mind-boggling. Christianity is so exciting because this is reality. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be forgiven in the first place, but that he would make us like his son. And if you would want to be like anyone, that's who you want to be like. You don't want to stay like you, tohu wabohu, your old self. You want to become new. 
I love that, that inward transformation that's taking place every day. It's amazing. And now, it's a trip because you can get a brand new vehicle, right? What happens the very next day? It gets a day older. I had a truck that seemed new. And before you knew it, it was almost 10 years old. I just sold it. Because right now, I mean, I sold it a few months ago because what a great time to sell because they're buying used vehicles right now. It's been a lot of money. They'll give you a lot of money for a used vehicle. But it was having all kinds of problems at once. And I had mechanics work on it, different mechanics, and they had what we call a death wobble where you're going down the freeway at 65, 70, and and you're like, you think it's going to come up. The wheels are going to come off, you know? Jimmy was driving behind me. <laughs> he goes, why your car was, your truck was freaking, you're freaking out, yeah. Jojo took, he goes, dad, your, your truck felt like it was just going to fall apart, you know, yeah. It's got those death wobbles. I had it fixed four or five times, it didn't, wouldn't work. One mechanic was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Those guys just didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> Great guy, I love the guy. And uh, I think he took two or three shots at it. It just didn't work. And I was going to the men's retreat. And I knew I had death wobbles still, but it was less than it was. And I had a guy's with me, and I was like, I just keep it mellow, you know. And all of a sudden, bam, 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 bam. And we're like getting off the 118 onto the other freeway to head up there. And I think it was James Jackson, group in Texas. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. Love spending time with you guys. And James is a Navy SEAL, man, but you went to know to that moment, man. I mean, he hit higher notes than Michael Jackson could hit. I mean, no, he didn't. I'm kidding. But he's like, whoa. What's, he goes, we're going to take this thing. You know, I go, no, I can't take it for sure. <laughs> so I, I turned around. We came back, you know, and got there another way. Uh, but he was right because that thing, just going in the lane, he was worried that we'd hit someone. Uh, I was getting used to it. You got to be careful. You just don't get used to things like that, you know. Anyway, that thing was almost 10 years old. And I got a new vehicle. And because of the trading value, it was pretty cheap to get the new vehicle. I was like, wow. You know, JoJo was... I had Jeeps, you know, growing up. I had a CJ5 when I first was seeing my wife, Lisa, and then a Wagoneer later with old broken down Wagoneer, but I liked it. It's like a big giant station wagon, you know. And, uh, and then, but guess what? Every day this Jeep gets older. And before you know it, it'll be older. And older. But you know what would be cool? If you got a new vehicle and every day it got newer and cooler and better you know, there's a brother here that works at a Jeep uh, where they just trick out Jeeps. And he told me what they do. I can never take it there because people spend, he said, hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's Jeeps going around with hundreds of thousands of dollars pouring them. I go, yeah, I'll never show up there, you know, because, you know. But you know what? They, get, they make it nicer and nicer and nicer. But guess what? It's still getting old. Guess what? That's us. We're getting old on the outside. But guess what's not happening those things aren't getting newer and newer and newer. They're still decaying. We have something so much more awesome than anything you could buy on this planet. You have a new life in Christ. And you're being renewed every day. Think about that, man. Are you in the Word? You have to be in the Word, though. You have to be beholding Christ as in a mirror so he can transform you by the power of his Holy Spirit. Now go to Romans chapter 12. Because that word, okay, metamorpho, metamorph, 
Metamorphosis. Morph means to change. We get metamorphosis from this Greek word, metamorpho. That word's only used four times in the New Testament. Only used four times in the New Testament. And it's, using, it's used right there. We just looked at it, right? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. It's also used right here in Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, which he's just talked about for 18, or I'm sorry, for 11 chapters, how wicked the world is, how lost people are, how depraved they are, chapter 1 and chapter 2, and the deserving death, chapter 3, but God's grace, chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, God's plan with that grace, 9, 10, and 11. After he's talked all about God's mercy and saving us by grace through faith in Christ, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God or in view of God's mercies for the last three chapters or 11 chapters, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In light of the fact that he saved you and you were so wicked and the lost world is so wicked and he's got this glorious plan, right, for the cosmos, for the lost to be saved. In light of that, we should be offering up our bodies as living sacrifice, which says which is our spiritual, which is our spiritual service of worship. And spiritual is a good translation there, but I actually, you know, like that older translation, which is your reasonable service. That's how I first memorized it as a new Christian. And the Greek word there, I believe, is translated well reasonable. Or you could translate it logical service because the word is logikos. Okay? That's the Greek word. that The New Testament's written in Greek. That's the word that is there that we get the word logic from. So I would like to see maybe some translate that way. Why don't you just translate it, which is your logical service? I mean, it's only logical that you would serve God because he created you. We blew it. Humanity blew it. He saved us. And now we should come back to the one who made us and fulfill what he's called us to. Amen. It's reasonable based on what he did and his great grace and mercy that he showed us to say, God, here am I, send me. Do what you want in my life. Amen. In light of that, verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, right? And do not be conformed to the world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that word conformed is from a compound Greek word. Sun, like S-U-N, right? With or sun. Uh, and the next word is the word schema, when you look at the word together, and that's the word that we get the word scheme from in the English. And what's it saying there? When it's saying don't be conformed, you can think of a schematic outline. Satan has a schematic outline. Before, we, when we were lost, we were formless, meaning we looked nothing like God had wanted us to look like, amen, because we went astray, but we were being conformed to the image of the enemy. Wickedness. No real godly order, just anarchy was in our lives. And that's his schematic outline is just chaos. And we're not supposed to become like that, but we're supposed to be transformed. Guess what word that is? Metamorpho, transformed. Same word you see in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Those are the only two places that's used in all the New Testament other than a couple times in 
the Gospels, which we'll refer to in a few minutes because they're glorious. They, the four words we do a word study on this, pretty cool how they fit together because it's an outline of what we're supposed to be. That's why I've been like, I just, and hopefully you do too get excited about the word because like you look at these four, I love word studies, looking at Greek studies. It's like, wow, there's only four times that word's used, Lord. You know what? You're doing something with that word probably because it's very significant how you're using it here. But look what he says in verse two, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing, the renewing of your mind. That, and that word transformed in the Greek, metamorpho, is different than another Greek word where it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. But that word that's used is not, does not have to do with an inner transformation. It has to do with an outer transformation, like a counterfeit. It can be translated as a counterfeit. That's how it's, it's not, it doesn't speak of the inner transformation. And it says, even so, his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, Satan's ministers. They're deceivers. They take people into the cultic teaching away from the word of God. But the word transformed here, metamorpho, is used in the New Testament Greek and elsewhere in classical Greek of this inner transformation. And it has to do with what God's doing on the inside of us, which is to shine on the outside of us. Amen? Are you with me? Hey, this should be something that you're serious about, man. Hey, I want to become more like Christ. That's what I've been created to be. I want to become more Christ-like. What's what God's will for me? And people talk about God's will. I remember I was a young Christian, man. Yeah, I was young one day like some of you young guys. And I remember talking to people because I, I got saved when I just turned 18. And I remember talking to young guys I met, you know, after finding the fellowship several months later and talking about God's will for our lives. And I'm going to show you a verse that really just stuck out to me that I've hung on to ever since that fits with what we're talking about now. That renewing is very, very important, being renewed in our minds. We don't follow that schematic outline of the enemy. Now, it's interesting because that word transform there it has to do with this inner transformation. Uh, outward man's what? Decaying day after day, right? The inner man's being what? Transformed into his image day by day from glory to glory. Isn't that awesome? Listen, man, in the new year, and not just when the new year starts, today, look to Christ. Look to his word. Look at the mirror of his word. Pray that the Father would change your heart by the power of his spirit. That's the will of God concerning you. And you'll be transformed Every day, even though your outer person is getting older, you'll be transformed day by day from glory to what? Glory. And that means to look more and more like our glorious Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Now that Greek word transformed right there. And by the way, you're either a transformer or a conformer. You're either being conformed to the world system and its evil ways or you're being transformed to look more like Jesus. There's no neutral ground. Okay? Because you're either being influenced by the spirit of this age, amen, the prince of the power of the air, or you're being influenced by the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. You're either a transformer or a conformer. Like we say sometimes, what are you? A thermometer or a thermostat, right? What does a, what does a thermometer do? It takes on the temperature of its surroundings, right? And it's 
totally passive. Don't be a thermometer. Don't become what the world wants you to become. Be a thermostat, amen. Set the temperature around you. Refuse to be changed by those around you unless there are other thermostats that are encouraging you as a thermostat, right? Be a thermostat, man. Be a transformer that affects other people. Amen? Don't be a conformer. I remember when I first, just before, you know, maybe, I don't know. Oh, what was that? A couple years before, years before I actually started seeing Lisa. I knew her at school. It's just an acquaintance, you know, say hi to her in the halls in high school and stuff, you know. And then I got saved. And I was newly saved. And not long after I was newly saved, I was seeing a gal. Uh, and that gal, uh, you know, getting in the word with her and so forth. But she had a Mormon background, and she was in a rock band here in Simi Valley and stuff. Nice gal and everything, but she was just lost, didn't know Jesus. But guess what? Lisa, man, she reminds, she reminds me of a story sometimes because this gal I was seeing, you know, uh, we didn't party anymore. She came out of her band and everything when we met. Met her, you know, I was being a witness. I was with my brother Tom and stuff and Halloween party. And I said, I'm just going to go and be a witness. And I started witnessing to the singer, this gal. And before I knew it, she dropped out of her band. She said she wanted to follow the Lord. And, you know, but she started reverting back to Mormonism a little bit, a bit later because that's what she was brought up with. And I was a new Christian. I just studied Mormonism, but I got all this stuff together, ready to show it to her. But she said, I'm not allowed to look at it because it's from the devil if I look at it. And I knew, I, and I told her, I said, I told the Lord, if you don't look at it, it's not going to work out, our relationship because you're either going to look at it and come to Jesus or, or not. Well, guess what? Before that, though, she brings me to her best friend's party, and it's at a house, and she said, I just want to stop by and say hi and give her a gift, which was Dee, Lisa's sister, you know? I had a picture of Dee in my wallet, Lisa's sister, when we, Lisa and I started seeing each other a couple years later after that or so, and because she was her matron of honor, Dee's matron of honor. It's kind of a trip, trippy story. But you know what? When I was there, I still had my long hair, and I, but I was dressed a little bit differently, man. And I was like, no longer, you know, the, the flannels and the stoner look. I was like, man, I'm following Jesus, and I don't care what anybody thinks. And I walked in there. I stood by the door, looked around. I thought, thank God I'm not part of this system anymore, man. It was just, that was me. I was lost by the grace of God. I was thanking God, not because I was doing anything good. I was just new creation in Christ, new Christian. And then I saw this girl, gal over there at the keg, just getting hammered and just hanging out with the keg, her and the keg, and whoever else would come by the keg. And that was Lisa, you know. <laughs> and uh, she said, it was, it was a lot, that story's a lot deeper than I have time to get into, but it was really heavy because I was thinking, man, that girl's so lost, you know. And she was thinking, she told me, she was thinking, that's, that's uh, Lisa's... Uh, or Linda's, uh, my Linda, like she was a great gal, but she's like, that was Linda's, uh, that's Linda's new boyfriend, her sister Dee's best buddy. And she's like, and we all knew that she was seeing this Christian guy. He was like square or whatever she was thinking, you know. Uh, <laughs> and we were so different. And Tohu Abohu, she was there, right? 
just, and I'm like a new creation. And she, I'm thinking, man, this guy was so lost. And she's thinking, that guy is so like lost maybe too, right? But not knowing that, uh, and then praise God, she got saved later. And I got to see, she was an Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous. When she stumbled in the church I was going to, not literally stumbled, I mean. And, uh, but then I introduced her to the one-step program. So you don't need the 12-step program. You need the one-step program. You need Jesus, man, you know. And uh, she was already praying and so forth. And we talked about what, it, you know, to grow in her salvation and stuff. And wow, man, and the most beautiful person, gal, that I, you know, in my, ever in my life, you know. And uh, to see what God did in her heart was so beautiful. And it's just awesome to see what God does in changing someone. And that word transformed, when it says be transformed, it's in the passive. It's, it's a passive mood. It's, it's not something, it's something God does. But it's also imperative, which is interesting. It's in the imperative, which means it's a command. So an active, it would be, active would be like, if you said, I drove to church myself to church today, that would be active. But if you said, somebody else took me to church today, that would be passive. You with me? So it's in, it's in passive. It's God that does the transforming. But you have to get in the car, so to speak. It's imperative that you make the choice to allow him to transform you. Amen? And... Lisa recognized that she was Tohu Abohu, you know, and then she had new eyes. She saw me totally differently, and I saw her totally differently now that she was following Jesus. Amen? And that's what God does. You become a new creation. She's not like she was when she was that drunkard by the keg, you know? I was like, man, and she was so drunk, the keg was not kissing her back. It was, I'm like, does she not get this? No, I'm kidding. That wasn't happening. But she's all like this, and and I'm like, I know that girl from school, man. She is so wasted. And the time I saw her before that, I was on an acid trip at Burger King when she worked at Burger King. And she came and sat like in the booth next to me on a break. And I'm like, I didn't do acid a lot. I smoked a lot of pot and drank a lot. But I was like, oh, this girl's going to start talking because I know she's kind of like forward, you know. And she starts talking. Hey, how you doing? I'm blazing, you know. Uh, so God takes us out of all that. We're just like formless, void, empty, darkness. And man, now he's, our lives are fruitful because of Jesus. That's what he wants to do in all of our lives. Amen? He wants to make us, give us form, you know? Now, it's interesting because when you have Jesus, there is this transformation that takes place. But you know the other two times that this word takes place? Guess what it's, tra guess what it's uh, translated? It's in the Gospels. What's that, Jimmy? Transfiguration. Amen. It's translated transfigured. It's used of Jesus. And in the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of Mark, three different places in the New Testament, it shows Jesus said, there's some of you that are standing here, and he talked about how they would see his glorious kingdom, him coming in his glorious kingdom. And every time he says that, it says six days later. Now, some will say, wait a minute, man. Where's the glorious kingdom he was going to bring in six days, you know, six, uh, and what's going on here, you know? He didn't come back yet. No, that wasn't the point. The point was they were going to see something, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke all emphasized six days later what they saw. And that's when, right, some of his apostles saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, on a very high mountain. When you're in Israel, they'll say, there's a Mount Transfiguration, but they don't know. It doesn't say what mountain it was. Oh, yeah, it's the Mount of Transfiguration. They call it the Mount Transfiguration. Well, they don't know what the mountain was he was on. They call it the Mount of Transfiguration in Israel, Mount of Transfiguration, because they think it's such a high mountain. That's what we don't know what mountain it was specifically for sure. Guess what? 
He was on this high mountain, which makes sense. Mountains represent kingdoms in the Bible. Okay, and he's shining. His face is shining like the sun. And Elijah and Moses are with him. You got Peter and John, James, and they're like tripping out. Peter's like, let's build some tabernacles to Elijah and Moses and you, Jesus. And the father says, this is my son. Listen to him. Peter, this is, come on. (laughs) Give it a rest, man, right? Basically, listen, this is my son. Listen to him. And by the way, he's shining like the sun. He's transfigured before them. His inward deity, he is God in the flesh. God allows to shine, not to the degree where they're burnt to crisp because you can't see God in all his glory because you'll die, okay? But he's shining like the sun. And then Moses and Elijah, they disappear. They're gone now. Why are they gone? Because Moses and Elijah, they represent the law and the prophets. And the law and the prophets lead us to who? To Jesus. They're meant to point us to Jesus. Now they're gone, and there's just Jesus there with them. He's transfigured. That word is metamorpho. There it is. He's transformed physically. If you saw him, you would trip out. They were tripping out. Peter, you know, he becomes a chatterbox when he's not sure. He's just trying to make sense of things. You know, it's just what's his way. You know, he was, you know, and, and the Lord is metamorphosized before them. Well, guess what the Bible says is going to happen to us, believers? In Matthew chapter 13, when he separates the tares from the wheat, it says, like, we will shine like the sun forever and ever. Do you know that? That's a blow mind. In fact, his body, when he rose from the dead and he appeared before John, in Revelation chapter 1, John says his face shined like the sun in full strength. I fell on my face as a dead man. Well, guess what? That's what you are going to look like to a degree, okay? In fact, how do I know that? Well, Philippians, okay? Philippians chapter 3, it talks about in verse 21, yeah, it's a very beautiful verse, but it talks about how uh, we are going to be shining like he's shining. We're going to be made like unto him. But listen to this, okay? Uh, it says in Philippians 3.21 that our bodies will be transformed or conformed to be made like and unto his glorious body. In 1 John chapter 3, it says when he appears, we don't know what we're gonna, he's going to look like, but we do know this, that when he appears, we will be made like him. You guys, that glory that's taking place inwardly, day after day that you're being transformed, will also take place when? What way? Physically. You'll receive a new body. And in Romans, it talks about that inward transformation, but it also talks about in chapter 8, how there will be a new creation, and that all of creation is groaning right now, right? to be delivered with the manifestation, the glorious manifestation of the sons of God. We have a physical transformation taking place as well. And that word metamorphosis, when we think of metamorphosis, what kind of creatures do we think about? I take my grandkids and like, in fact, Eli's been, we just went hiking a, a while back and he's like, Pop Pop, can we go catch some tadpoles? And I said, we got to wait for the rains to come, man. There's no spring, there's no streams up here in these hills, you know. I said, wait till there's some heavy rains. Well, Eli's going to get a hike with, you know, the other, the other guys with Pop Pop and, you know, whatever gals can keep up. And they're going to catch some tadpoles, but there's all kinds of tadpoles in these little pools. And those little tadpoles, man, they turn into frogs. You're like, oh, that's not a great picture. I'm a gal, you know. Some gals, look at Ariella loves frogs more than some of the boys, you know. But guess what? Think of the, I, my favorite picture is the worms, man. 
the, the caterpillars. We're like lowly worms, the Bible says. We're compared to like lowly worms. They're transformed into these beautiful monarch and other types of butterflies. Amen? That's not an act. That's a metamorphosis. That's not an accident. God's given us that picture in nature of what's going to happen to us because one day, right now, we are earthbound, right? One day we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the sky and we'll come back with him and we will no longer be earthbound, but we'll be able to fly. Get excited. Get excited today. Amen? We have a glorious, glorious, exciting time ahead of us and it's imperative that we realize that Philippians 3.21 or our, do not, he says, our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. By the way, I, thought, I always thought it was interesting, why the emphasis in the synoptic gospels, all three of them says six days later, I believe that's a picture of the six days of creation. And the Bible says a thousand years like a day, a day is like a thousand years. The church fathers, some of them said that each day there'll be 6,000 years and the Lord will come. We don't know if that's true, but it's interesting. Six days, then there was a day of rest. New creation was over. After six days, guess what's going to happen? Christ's going to come and he's going to establish his kingdom on earth and he's going to rule forever and ever. And we're going to be transformed and receive new bodies. Amen to be forever with Jesus. Are you with me today? How many of you love God's word? How many see it's an exciting book? This, it's not an accident that these things are put this way. In fact, Peter says in 1 Peter, and I think you gotta hear this and then, well, 1 Peter 1.16, uh, it talks about, Peter says, for we did not follow, this is, now Peter was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, for we did not follow, follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power of his coming, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Wow, what is he saying? He goes on to talk about how we are on the Mount of Transfiguration. When we are on the Holy Mount, this has happened. He was transferred. And this is a picture. What is Peter saying? He says what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration was a what? A glorious picture, a preview of the coming attraction of Christ coming in his kingdom. Amen? If you're trusting in Jesus Christ and you're following him, and you're in his word, you're going to be transformed from glory to glory. That's already happening. And you're going to be radically transformed when he comes back and receive a new body and reign with him on his holy mount forever and ever in New Jerusalem. Amen? First the millennial kingdom, then New Jerusalem. Get excited. Happy new you. Stick to Jesus. You have great days ahead of you. And every day is a good day because no matter what happens, he'll use the good and the bad that comes that day to make you more like Jesus. And guess what? That one verse that really captivated me as a new Christian not verse 28, I love that verse, but verse 29 with 28 of Romans chapter eight. For we know this, that God works all things together for the good, for those who love him are the call according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become what? Conformed to the image of his son. Amen. That's God's will for you to become more like Christ. Don't let anything stop you from seeking him and recognize everything that comes in your way is a way to become more like Jesus and reach the end goal and being transformed for all eternity in him. Amen? Let's all please stand.